You just have to be okay with being persistent and knowing that those rejections are gonna come and to not give up after a week or after getting no responses from maybe two emails. I promise you, those editors will wanna hear from you. They will be so overjoyed to hear that you are a nurse that can speak eloquently and want to share your knowledge with their publication. How do you go from successful and talented nurse to successful and talented nurse writer? Let's talk all about it with freelance medical writer Janelle Borowski right here on episode 426 of the Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello there. This is Nurse Keith, of course, and this podcast is always about you, your personal and professional development, your career, and the healthcare system in that bigger, bigger picture that we like to talk about. And I'm here to share education, ideas, frequent diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the coolest, most inspiring people out there. I love having you along for the ride, and I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the Growing Nurse Keith Nation. And remember, you can get CEUs from listening to podcasts over at rnegade.pro. That's R-N-E-G-A-D-E dot pro. See how they did that? Renegade, where they're building a library of nursing podcasts that offer continuing ed because you know what? You're listening anyway, so you might as well earn credit while you do so. So head over to rnegade.pro, sign up. You can select me or any other content creator. I won't be jealous and get your CEs for listening on that platform. And if you'd like to help other people find the Nurse Keith Show, you can leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or Spotify. That would be an amazing way for you to do me a solid. And you could become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Nurse Keith. If you'd like to be a patron, I would appreciate that super, super duper much. Anyway, the show notes will be at NurseKeith.com in the drop down menu labeled podcast. And if you want to find the show notes elsewhere, they will be in any app where you happen to be listening. As I said at the top, of the show. We're here with my friend and colleague, Janelle Borowski. She's a master's prepared nurse who has gone into a phone booth, spun around a million times and come out and created a new persona for herself and a new way of earning a living and being a nurse in the world as a freelance nurse writer. So Janelle, you're sort of like the supergirl of nurse writers now. How does that feel? Um, pretty surreal. Um, I'm honestly really excited to be on the other side, kind of looking back at all the other nurses that might want to do what I'm doing. It's a surreal feeling to have broken that barrier and also to realize that it wasn't that hard to do. If you had asked me um, a couple of years ago if I would have been a nurse writer, I would not have even known what that term was, and I wouldn't have even thought it was possible. And having that experience now makes me think back about how attainable it really is for pretty much anyone that has an interest in writing and has a nursing degree out there. Well said. Okay. Well, we're going to get into that. And I just realized that using that description of you as Supergirl, like, going into the phone booth and spinning around a million times and coming out a nurse writer. I'm like, 
that feels so anachronistic now because a lot of people listening, if they're younger, probably have never seen a phone booth. Maybe they've seen one <laughs> in a movie. Um, but there were these things called phone booths at a, you know, <laughs> when I was when I was a kid. Anyway. <laughs> um, but you know what a phone booth is. So it wasn't I lost sure on it wasn't lost on you, the writer. <laughs> yeah. So all right. So you're a nurse, you've been a nurse for a few years. And you decided to become a nurse writer and you have a story about why and how you made that happen. So what was the impetus for saying, all right, I really want to turn myself into a nurse writer now? Yeah. So I always had an interest in writing. When I was a kid, my mom actually wanted me to go and be an English major. And I was like, mom, there's no way you can make money in that. Absolutely not. I think I want to be a nurse. So I went to nursing school, graduated, did the whole shebang, got a job. And there was a need for an additional role in my job. Um, it wasn't created yet. So I built a proposal around asking for a promotion to fill the gap that I saw. And while I was waiting to hear back for that, I actually found your podcast and you have some on management. And I was just kind of figuring out what being a nurse leader meant and all the other types of things I could really be doing with my license. And you kept saying to make a LinkedIn, just make a LinkedIn and you can go from there. So I ended up making a LinkedIn. And one of the first people I happened to find on there was someone who called herself a nurse writer. And I had no idea what that was. And you said that whenever you send a connection request, you should write a letter, like a short blurb. So I did. And I was like, please explain what a nurse writer is. I've never heard of this before. They never, ever taught me this in school. I've never heard this terminology Pretty much all they taught me in school is that you could be a bedside nurse, which is incredibly admirable. You could be um, an educator or you could be a nurse leader. Um, so she ended up chatting with me and telling me about nurse um, writing. And I kind of stuck that in the back of my mind. And a month later, I actually got denied the promotion. And I just kind of thought, what the heck? You know, I'm kind of burnt out. I got denied this promotion, even though there was a clear need for an additional person to step up. They said they didn't have the funds for um, me at the time. So I decided that I wanted to give myself um, my own promotion and my own raise. And the rest is history. I started reaching out um, and I kind of fumbled around in the dark for a little bit, but I ended up finding my own way. And here I am now. Awesome. So first, I'm really honored and pleased and humbled that my podcast had anything at all to do with you creating this transformation in your life. So that's lovely feedback for me. And when you first reached out to me, you were like, I found your podcast and I became a nurse writer because of it. And, you know, that was a wonderful thing to hear, you know, because I like to know that the podcast lands with people. And if it lands with just one person, that makes me super happy. And you said you wanted to give yourself a promotion and give yourself a raise. That takes a certain level of, well, 
I come from a Jewish background of a certain amount of chutzpah, right? And and it takes a certain amount of what I would characterize as personal agency, like this desire to do something and the knowledge that I can do this if I want to. Like no one can say, I mean, people can say no, but no one can stop me. So do you think personal agency has a big part to play in doing something relatively radical like you did? I think yes and no. I think you definitely have to be able to take that first leap into the unknown and you have to trust the people that came before you. I was lucky enough to find a few, not particularly close mentors, but people that I could see, hey, that person did it. If that person did it, I could do it. At the same time, I don't think you have to be an increasingly uh, gregarious extrovert to accomplish this. And I don't think you have to be particularly gung-ho, I think you just need to be confident, persistent, and consistent. I think that you have to be okay with the occasional rejection. Um, A lot of people didn't respond back to my emails, and that was totally okay with me. I was just kind of trying to figure it out on my own. So I think the answer is yes and no. Okay. Confident, persistent, and consistent. Those three attributes. Okay. So tell me about confidence first. What does that do for you and where does it come from? Especially, you know, having just become a nurse writer, how do you manifest confidence? Absolutely. So I tell everyone that wants to be a nurse writer is never forget you are an absolute expert in your field. You have something that no one else has. You have years of bedside experience and a degree to back it up. So a lot of people can write, but a lot of people don't have that hands-on experience. I have spent, and I know other nurses and healthcare workers have spent hours at the bedside explaining these complex disease processes to patients at their most vulnerable moments. So if we can do that, we sure as heck can write a blog with the same empathetic tone. We've already been doing it. We just need to do it in a written form. We've already been doing it verbally. So you just have to muster up that confidence. And I know imposter syndrome is a real thing for so many people. And I totally get that. But never forget that you are a true expert in healthcare. You're just choosing a different facet and you're choosing a different way to perform client education right now. Okay. That's totally fair and well taken. What about persistence? What does that do for you? And how do you maintain a certain level of persistence no matter what? So with persistence, you have to be okay with rejection for this. And I kind of relate this to when you were a brand new nurse. I don't know about anyone else, but I wasn't a CNA when I started. I was a waitress when I started. So I started applying uh, for nursing jobs and everyone denied me for a good six months. No one wanted me. And I mean, that makes sense. I didn't have the experience to back it up, but that didn't stop me from applying to job after job because that's what I wanted to do. And I know I have the background to do it. So the same thing comes with nurse writing. You have the background to talk about healthcare. You have that clinical background. You just have to be okay with being persistent and knowing that those rejections are going to come and to not give up after a week or after getting no responses from maybe two emails, I promise you 
Those editors will want to hear from you. They will be so overjoyed to hear that you are a nurse that can speak eloquently and want to share your knowledge with their publication. Awesome. And how about consistency? So what does that mean in relation to, you know, persistence? So persistence is like, you know, trying and trying and always putting in your maximum effort, right? But what about being consistent? Where where are the places in which you find consistency is most helpful and effective? So I think that persistence is more related to getting knocked down and standing back up and just knowing that those rejections are going to come and also knowing that an editor is going to chop your paper up right in front of you and you're going to have to be okay with that and take it as a learning experience and build from there. So that's kind of what I equate persistence as. And consistence is knowing that you're going to be writing multiple deliverables multiple times a week and that you're going to have to be reaching out to your own leads, your own editors and going from there and not letting yourself kind of get bogged down into the smaller tasks of entrepreneurship and just really riding that crest to success. Um, As an entrepreneur, you're responsible for your success. So that consistency of reaching out on LinkedIn, of building connections, of networking, of really building, I like to call it my mini empire, Mm -hmm. that consistency will really pay off months from now, years from now. So you've learned how to be consistent, persistent. You developed this confidence. Sounds like this confidence has been with you and I'm sure it was born in you prior to you being a writer and a nurse it probably comes from childhood your parents all sorts of experiences you know confidence can can kind of come with us from one thing we do in life to another from the moment you decided like huh i think i want to write i want to figure out how to become a writer how long was it till you had your very first paid piece even if they paid you a dollar it doesn't matter How many months or weeks or whatever was it until you got that very first time that someone gave you money to put your thoughts on paper, so to speak? So this is actually a little bit of a silly question for me. And I just want to highlight that everyone's journey is different. Everyone will find their different way into the industry. And I always say, get your foot in the door any way you possibly can. So take this with a grain of salt, but my personal experience is that freelance writing actually found me. So someone reached out to me and contacted me to be a writer and my first piece was paid. My rate was extremely low. Um, So I like to say that I was a freelance writer before I even knew what freelance writer was. Um, I was also a reptile writer before I was a health writer. Um, I have an interest in reptiles. So I always say, just get your foot in the door. If you have an interest in something and you find someone that wants to hire you to write a brief content blog on cars, on reptiles, on a TV show that you like, that is still a paid piece that you can put in your portfolio. That still counts. That's still a blog. That's still content. So my first piece was paid. They found me to write about reptiles. And then I leveraged that to be um, an academic writer for um, a paid publication in healthcare. But yeah, that's my story. That's really great. And now, how do people find you? And how do you find clients? I know you're out on LinkedIn, and we're going to talk about 
the ways in which you leverage LinkedIn, which I think your approach is brilliant. And we'll talk about that. But how are you finding one another in either direction, either you finding them or them finding you? Um, So it definitely levels off when you get your foot in the door and you have your portfolio done and you start to build a client base, particularly with retainer clients. So right now, the majority of my clients find me through LinkedIn, um, organic inbound leads. So that means that they find me and they'll send me a message asking if I have time to take on um, a current role and I can either decline or accept. If I'm not getting inbound leads, I might reach out to them directly through LinkedIn or send a cold email. But most of my clients right now are retainers. So that means I'm working with the same people month after month. I know what my um, salary for the most part is. And I haven't had to do an outreach to a client in months now. Great. So retainer means that you're getting a particular amount of money either per week or month, and you deliver generally a specific amount of writing or maybe even words or pieces during that period of time. Is that right? Yeah. So a retainer client means that you know what your base salary is going to be in a given amount of time. Mm -hmm. So I love taking retainer clients and then I can layer the occasional one-time client on top of that. So I hear a lot of questions about whether freelance writing is a stable income. It absolutely can be. You just have to find those retainer clients and they're not that hard to come by. My first three clients were retainer clients just organically. That's just how it happened. So they're definitely out there. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. Freelance writing fell into my lap as well. And the way that it happened for me was that I started a blog. It was 2005. And people who listen to the show know that there was one of the first nursing blogs on the internet. I think it was the second nursing blog, (laughs) Uh, maybe third at best. (laughs) at most. And that was my portfolio. You know, I created it and people started reading it and sharing it. Social media was around at the time. It wasn't enormous like it is now, but my things were out on social media to some extent. And it just sort of happened. I started getting offers to write. So it did fall to me as well. And the way it happened for me was that I had created a platform. I was demonstrating my expertise by writing and I was writing for free. You know, I was writing on my own blog and people always say, well, how much time should I spend writing my own stuff on my own blog when I'm not getting paid? And my response is always like, that's a huge calling card. It's like an enormous billboard saying, Hey, look, Look at my talent as a writer. I could do this for you. So do you do any writing that is not for paid clients at this point? Or do you not even have time to just do your own writing? So I want to be focusing on my blog right now more. Mm -hmm. Right now, I don't have enough time. I'm focusing more on my LinkedIn posts. And then I'm taking my LinkedIn posts and I do want to repurpose them into my blog. Right now, I have been focusing on writing my course as well. So that's been eating into my side time. But with that winding down, I do want to get the blog up and running. Right now, I think there's only two posts on there, but it is in the back of my mind. 
yeah, it's always in the back of most of our minds, actually. (laughs) So I totally understand that sentiment. When we come back from the break, I want to talk about LinkedIn because it's come up a bunch of times and we need to kind of dig into LinkedIn because it's very important. And Mm -hmm. like I said, you use it in a way that I want to highlight. I also want to talk about the clinical world vis-a-vis being a writer and what does one do when one isn't working clinically or is only working clinically once in a while? And a couple other questions I want to ask, especially about your course. So when we come back from the break, we'll be here again with my friend and colleague, Janelle Borowski, nurse writer, right here on episode 426 of the Nurse Keith Show. Hang in there and we'll be right back in just a moment. back with the second half of the episode. Welcome. We're here again with friend of the pod and my friend and colleague, Janelle Borowski, nurse, writer. And Janelle, prior to the break, we were talking about all sorts of things, especially becoming a nurse writer, how you got to this place, how you use confidence, persistence, and consistency to frame what it is you do and how you approach your work. And the first thing I want to dive into is one question. What does your mom say about you finally being a writer because you took the nursing path, even though she wanted you to be an English major, which seems sort of like what the opposite of what a mom would normally want, you know? (laughs) She'd like, okay, go to school and study something practical, see what I care. Uh, No, but what does she think now that you're out there as a writer? Is she happy? Yeah, my mom is pumped. My mom is super pumped. Um, I still send her most of my articles. She does not understand most of them. Um, a lot of a lot of what I've been writing lately is really dense news briefs on like COVID nineteen, like cutting edge research or like neuro neurology briefs that she just doesn't understand, but she tries to read it anyways. So yeah, she's jazzed. She's super jazzed. Every new author page I send her. So yeah, she's really excited for me. That's nice. So you have some cheerleaders in your life, apparently. I certainly do. Yeah. Everyone's like, I told you so. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's great. And I want to also ask you, you've been a nurse since I think 2016 or 17? About that. Yeah. Yeah. And are you still working clinically at this point? I am still working at the bedside. Um, I'm at a reduced role and I really like it at this point. Freelance writing has given me the ability to love bedside nursing again. I'm not burnt out and regretting every shift I take. I go into my job and I'm starting to love it again. And it's because I work in a diminished role and it's because I'm not thinking about the next 40 years at the same facility and what happens if I'm burnt out and what happens if the ratios get more than I can bear. At any point, I can just step back and write full time. So having that safety net has really helped my mental health. So I'm personally still at the bedside, but it's because I really enjoy doing what I do now. That's great. And it kind of keeps your hand in and keeps you aware of what's happening out there and what your colleagues are saying. But do you picture ever potentially 
ditching the clinical work and, you know, focusing entirely on your business? Or do you feel like being clinical is just part of who you are at this juncture? I think my ideal role would be working four or three days a week uh, writing and then doing one day a week um, in a clinical role. I do get really bored in my house. I get really, really antsy. I'm like running around the entire time. And I have had people say, well, you can work at a Starbucks, but that's just really boring and loud. And it's the same thing like my house, but Starbucks. So I do think that I will stay at the bedside in some role, even if it's a couple of times a month, even if it's not a hospital or a super acute role, I do really enjoy being a caretaker at the root of everything. I have always had such honor for the healers of the world, and I still do really resonate with that. So it's hard to see where the next 30 years of my life will take me. But as of right now, I am still leaning towards staying at the bedside in some sort of a role. That's great. That's practical. That's thoughtful. And I think that's that's a strategy you could employ for many, many years. And you're also obviously a person who embraces possibility and maybe even serendipity. So you never know what might happen in the years mm-hmm. to come. And you're you're open to whatever might come along. You know, I was just thinking about that notion of being a solopreneur, because I am one and many people I know are as well. My fiance is too. And you know, there's there's the freedom and the the comfort of working at home, which is awesome. And there's also, like you said, the sort of stir craziness that can come up. So one way some people do it is they go work in cafes. That doesn't quite work for me because the noise is a little distracting. I have to wear noise canceling headphones and have music on or something. But some people find that works. Some people find co-working spaces, which are spaces where you can actually rent a desk within a co-working space where other entrepreneurs are working. There's one in Santa Fe that I used to belong to for a while where I didn't rent a desk. There was actually a um, sort of an open space with a big conference table and some overstuffed chairs and a bar with some stools at it. And, you know, you could sit in that space, but it was quite quiet, almost like a library, but people were working all around you. And then there was a kitchen and you can chat and make coffee and then go back to work. So that can work for some people. And then I know other solopreneurs who find other entrepreneurs, even who don't work in their same milieu, and they get together in their homes together and work side by side and take breaks to chat. But they just kind of like, it's like being at a cafe, but you're in your own home and you have a little more control over the environment. So those are options for people who are listening who are thinking, huh, I'd really like that, but how do you make it happen? So those are just some ideas of how you can do that. And you can also work at the library and just be around people. So that was just a few strategies. Have you employed any of those at all at this juncture? No, I live in the middle of farmland. Mm -hmm. So um, 
it's like an eight minute drive to the road and there's not really a Starbucks near me. I'm not really in like a super urban area. So mm-hmm. I don't really quite know what my options are. I have met quite a few people on LinkedIn that we chat over like in the DMs and stuff. I haven't had a chance to do an actual coffee meeting just because I'm so busy, but it has been on my list. But anytime that I want like a sort of camaraderie in freelance writing, because it is a really isolating um industry, I guess. You don't have a lot of coworkers. I'll kind of turn to that little tribe and we'll chat. That's great. And I love that notion of tribe. I have all sorts of tribes that I'm sort of part of either tangentially or directly. And that's really important, especially when you're striking out in this particular world like you are. And you've let's get into LinkedIn now. I teach people how to use LinkedIn and I mentioned it on my show and that's what kind of galvanized you to be like, hmm, maybe I should check out LinkedIn. And I'm glad that you found that impetus from my show. But the point that I want to make is that you are amazing in the way you use LinkedIn. You strike this really fascinating balance between sharing about your personal life and sharing about professional stuff and industry stuff. Like when you went on a ski trip to the Alps, you uh, let people know that you were going away. You wouldn't be posting as much. And then while you were there, you posted some pictures that were really beautiful. And then you you came back and you're like, I'm back. And you were just in Disney World um, with some uh, people who you helped to care for as well. So I love the way that you approach it. And is that something you just found that way to do it? Or did you, are you emulating people who you saw? How did you come to, to utilize LinkedIn in the way you do, which I think is just so awesome? Thank you so much. Um, I think it was a lot of trial and error. I'm happy I didn't have a lot of followers at first because I was just kind of poking in the dark and kind of finding my own voice. They call it personal branding. And that's another thing where I guess I am personal branding, but it's just kind of something that's organic to me. Um, I am an avid skier, so I'll be skiing and these business topics will pop into my head. Like I'll do a crazy black diamond and I will be absolutely terrified. And I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And it'll be really hard. And I'll get to the bottom. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I did that. And then I'll like relate it to like a business concept that I did. Like, I think that week I was doing discovery calls for the first time and I was so nervous and I didn't know what to expect. And then I did a discovery call and it wasn't that bad. And now all of a sudden I could do discovery calls. So I kind of thought that if I was having these like aha moments in my life, that maybe sharing those moments with other people could help. And then it also helped me realize that I wasn't so alone in my hobbies. So I started kind of, you know, meeting other people at like reptiles randomly and skiers. So I also never want to be a robotic, non-approachable person. And I think that sticking um, pieces of myself into my LinkedIn really helps with that. So I do want to be as much of a person as I can be and not just a name attached to a bunch of text. Mm-hmm. I love that. And you hit upon a couple important pieces here. 
one, I just had this image of, you said reptiles and skiing. And so I was picturing skiing reptiles. That's a, <laughs> that, it's another conversation. That's the children's <laughs> book. You're going to write a children's book someday and that's what it's going to be. But aside from that, you mentioned branding and building a brand. And I've talked about that a fair amount on the show and I've written about it too. And your brand, what I take away observing you out in the world with great joy, because I, I love the brand you created. It's personal, it's personable, it's fun and fun-loving and interesting, right? You're writing about interesting things that draw me in and it's kind of the way you do it, you know, and you tell stories. So there's some storytelling involved and photos and pictures, which is really helpful. And at the same time, I get that you're you're a professional and you love what you do and you approach it with great aplomb and grace and and professionalism. And that you I get the sense from your brand that you enjoy connecting with people because you get a lot of comments and you reply to the comments and then you reply to the replies to your to the comments. Does that feel like the brand that you were trying to create? Because that's my perception of the brand. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, I keep using the word tribe. And I also keep thinking back to those days when I was a nurse at the bedside. And I just had that epiphany moment of, oh, my gosh, am I going to be doing this for the next 60 years or 30 years, however long it was? And it was so isolating. I just felt like I was an island all by myself. I couldn't really talk to my coworkers about it because some of them were super into it and some of them just didn't quite get it. And I just felt like I was on an island all by myself. So when people really resonate with what I'm saying, I want them to know that they are welcome in my network, that I want to chat with them. I want to help them. I don't want any person to feel helpless, hopeless, like they're at the end of the line and that they don't have options. So I do try and make myself available to people that need it. I also am super percept uh, receptive in the messaging. Like if you message me, I'm always happy to answer a quick question and give quick snippets of advice because we've all been there. And I also think back to that one nurse writer, she could have just totally ignored my message and I never would have even known what a nurse writer was. So I just always want to play it forward. I was just going to say that you pay it forward in what you do. And that's really lovely. And you're obviously a generous giving person. And I bet, I bet your members of your family would agree. And there, I bet they're also very generous as well. And you learned that along the way. And a couple of minutes ago, you mentioned, we're talking about LinkedIn and you mentioned discovery calls. And I just want to ask you to define what that is in case someone listening was like, what's a discovery call? Sure. So I want to start off by saying a discovery call is not a job interview because that's absolutely what I thought it was when I started. So discovery call is when you and a potential client set up a time to talk, it could be a Zoom call or video chat, or it could be a phone call, and you're just hashing out the details of a potential project, and you're seeing if you're a good fit for them, and they're also seeing if they're a good fit for you. Okay, that's great. And speaking of clients, I just want to ask you, 
do you write your own contracts? Do your clients bring contracts that they just plug and play and put all the information in? And do you have, you know, legal counsel you turn to in terms of reading contracts, which sometimes can feel like a lot of legal speak that we can't understand. So how do you approach the, just the legal side? I'm just curious. Yeah. So my biggest advice for that is to take your time. I read contracts three, four or five times, and I never sign anything I don't understand. I have had a couple of years of contracts now, so I'm a little bit more familiar with the language. But when I was starting out, I did consult with a lawyer. As far as my own contracts, I have a basic one for if someone doesn't have a contract, but most of my clients do have contracts. Some smaller publications may not, and that's where I would plug in my own contract. I do suggest that everyone does have a contract. It's a really great um, way to just make sure all of your ducks are in a row and that you're covered all the way. Yeah. And just remember, just like in nursing, if it's not written down, it didn't happen and it wasn't agreed to. And mm -hmm. I have had a couple relationships with editors or organizations that were very, very small in which it was basically sort of like a quote unquote, a gentleman's agreement. And it was yes. all done sort of via email. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't do that much anymore. You know, I generally lean in the contract direction because it's just, it's protection for everybody. And speaking of discovery calls and clients, do you also work with individuals who would like to become writers who want to learn from you? Do you offer coaching services to people who would like you to teach them the tricks that you've learned along the way? Yes. And that has been my biggest passion lately. I started off just being a nurse writer, just being passionate about writing. And I started posting about what I know. So posting about tips on editing and how to get clients. And I've noticed that a lot of people had a lot of questions. So I started doing mentorship. I started doing group coaching. And I also wrote a course. And just going back to that feeling of me just feeling so depressed and anxious and just so overwhelmingly empty with my current life at the bedside and just feeling like that was all there is. I just can't imagine that on anyone else. So I've been really passionate about wanting to help other nurses or healthcare professionals or anyone else that wants to be um, a writer, but nurses have a special place in my heart, obviously. So that's been my concentration lately. That's great. And all of that is at willowbarkwriting.com. And mm -hmm. so you have mentoring and coaching, individual and group services. You mm -hmm. also have a course. So that's an online course. And is that asynchronous? So people can just take that class whenever they want to. It is asynchronous and I'm actually super jazzed about it. Um, I keep saying that this is the only course you'll need for about the first year of freelance writing. I, when I was starting out, I would take notes on what I didn't know, what I was embarrassed by, what I had to ask my editors, what that meant, anything that confused me. And I built it into this 
absolute monster of a course. It is huge. Um, I have key takeaways for every module, every section. I have homework for you guys to do. We don't just cover how to get clients. We cover the business aspect and we also cover your mental health because I think that's really important too. So I try to look at this really holistically and think about just anything I would have wanted to know. I also have done quite a few Ask Me Anything series and I built those into the courses too. The course, sorry, singular, the course too. So I'm trying to really have my finger on the pulse for what people want to know. So I'm super jazzed about the course. I really hope it helps a lot of people. That sounds wonderful. And so the course is available on your website as well. And like you Mm -hmm. said, it's asynchronous so people can take it at their own pace that's really great. And you said it's a monster of a course. So I'm sure it covers a lot of this, you know, the most pressing questions that anyone might have. And I think that's really fantastic. So someone could work with you individually and then take the course or they could take the course first and then follow up with you for clarification. There's all different ways they could get involved with you. And again, that's all, all at willowbarkwriting.com. And we'll have a link to that and to your LinkedIn, which is Janelle, J-A-N-E-L-L-E hyphen Borowski, B-A-R-O-W-S-K-I on LinkedIn. But you'll be able to find those links in the show notes. I wanted to ask you too, I did mention the first children's book you're going to write, which is going to be about uh, reptiles who like to ski. So just Bear that in mind so you can dedicate the book to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, do you have any aspirations to write a book other than the children's book about skiing reptiles? Um, I think for sure. I think for sure. Um, when I was a kid, I think it was like, I think it was first or second grade and they didn't give us a limit on how much I could write. And I think I wrote like 33 pages on an essay so I think I could definitely write a book. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, no plans for yet. No plans for yet. I think I'm going to come out with a series of courses after this one. Um, I've noticed a gap where there's not a lot of courses that are focusing on what to do after you get your first couple of clients. So I'd like to take um, entrepreneurs through scaling, through personal branding um, and that type of thing but I could definitely see myself writing a book too. Yeah. I want to put a bug in your ear too, while we're even just here on the air, I'll just say it publicly that you may or may not know I'm involved in the National Nurses and Business Association. And I often will offer a pre-conference workshop this year in August of 2023. I'm doing a podcasting workshop. It's three or four hours the day before the conference officially starts. So I'm thinking maybe in 2024, you could offer a pre-conference workshop on becoming a freelance writer and how to leverage your writing for your business or to create a business as a writer. So I'm just, I'm just dropping that little (laughs) seed right now. I would love to. Yeah, that'd be a blast. We'll talk about that. All right. (laughs) So I could talk to you forever and ever. Mm -hmm. However, we do have to go shortly. And it is two hours later where you are. So I want to let you go. But I have four quick questions I ask all my guests. So you game for that? Yeah, absolutely. And if you've been listening to the show over the last maybe 50 or 60 episodes, maybe you are aware what the questions are. And that's okay. Cheating is allowed. 
<laughs> so the first question is, how do you define success personally and or professionally? I think success is definitely a personal thing. And I think success for me is what makes me happy. So I'm the happiest skiing on a Monday or Tuesday when no one else is out there. And I'm the happiest being able to hang out by my pool. All right. That's wonderful. Okay. Second is, could you name, or if you don't want to name them, you could just describe a person who's really inspired you in the course of your life. They could be living or dead. They could be famous or not famous in any way whatsoever. Hmm. Okay. It's definitely Pope Francis. Tell me more. He is my favorite Pope. Um, I think he is just so kind. He's so forgiving. He is really radical with his views. I'm not even particularly religious, but if you've heard him talk about some of the views of the church, he's just so gentle and forgiving. He's he's just a really soft soul and he knows how to lead a crowd. He knows how to be humble. He knows how to forgive. Um, instead of living in the super lavish quarters, he decides to live in a group home with others, which I think is just so sweet of him. So definitely Pope Francis. That's really great. Have you ever seen the film, The Two Popes, that came yes. out just a few years ago with Anthony Hopkins and another actor? It's really, I love yeah. that film. I have to watch that again. Okay. I actually, we actually got to go see um, the Pope give a papal audience in Italy. It was really cool. Oh, that's great. When you were there not that long ago. Yeah, for skiing. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, I just mentioned a movie. So here's the next question. Is there a book or even a movie? And it doesn't have to be an absolute favorite because I think that's just too hard to pin down for most of us. Mm -hmm. But a book or movie that's had an impact on either the way you think, the way you approach your work, the way you live your life, anything like that. I think it's going to sound a little bit out there, but I always really enjoyed Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Tell me why. And because on the outside, he's such a monster. But when he goes to the blind man's house on the countryside and the blind man can't see him and he's just there, he's treated like an equal. They're sharing cigars and a meal together and he likes to be read out loud too and he likes the music and everything. It really just resonates with me the importance of taking a step back and realizing that everyone has a soft internal side that you might not be able to recognize on the outside. I love that. And that's not out there at all. I mean, you are the first guest to mention Frankenstein, <laughs> but it's a beautiful book by Mary Shelley. And, you know, it was written in the 19th century, I'm pretty sure. And so the so. language, you know, it's not 21st century language, but it's a beautiful book and a beautiful story. And I think metaphorically, there's a lot there, you know, it's, mm -hmm. you can take it at face value, of course, but there's a lot to say about outsiders, you know, yes. all those sorts of things. I mean, you could relate it to, to immigrants, you could relate it to so many things. So thanks for mentioning it because I'm actually going to maybe download it onto my Kindle and read it again. Cause it's been probably about 20 years since I read it. So thanks oh, for that. Please. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, when if you, I got a Kindle, the first Kindle I got, like, I don't know, 15 years ago, um, 
there were all these free books available through Kindle and there were books that were in the public domain. So I read Mm -hmm. like Count of Monte Cristo. I read all these older books. So I I could probably (laughs) get Frankenstein for free on my (laughs) So I'll I'll read it. Anyway, okay. Last question. If you, Janelle Borowski, were named queen of the world tomorrow, What's one of the first things you would want to do to improve the lives of your subjects? Bearing in mind that being queen of the world means you have ultimate power, and this would just be your first action as queen. I think without hesitation, I would say affordable health care for all. I think health care is a basic human right, and I think everyone has a right to live a life that's as close to disease-free with access to life-saving medication as they can. Beautiful. All right. Some guests have mentioned food, clothing, and shelter. Some people have mentioned healthcare. Some have mentioned um, freedom of speech. So it's really interesting and enlightening to hear what people say, you know, and, and, you know, I don't think anyone said like a pony in every garage, but you know, that would, that would go over (laughs) well too. You know, you'd make, you'd make a lot of friends if everybody got a pony, you know, (laughs) just saying. So maybe free healthcare and a pony. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, you'd be an amazing queen of the world. I've got to say Janelle. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. You're amazing. I'm so glad you reached out to me that first time and we've become (laughs) friends and colleagues and having you here, this is your first ever podcast appearance and it's the first of many, I'm sure. And just keep doing your good work out there and being such a bright light. And thanks for being in my life too. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this awesome episode of the Nurse Keith Show. Remember, the show notes will be at nursekeith.com or just look in the app where you happen to be listening. Please remember to go to willowbarkwriting.com. And if you reach out to Janelle on LinkedIn, send her a personalized invitation like I'm always teaching you and let her know that you heard her on the Nurse Keith Show. I think she'd really appreciate that a lot. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from learning from Janelle and listening to her story. If you need personalized holistic career coaching, check out Nurse Keith Coaching and NurseKeith.com. Mention the show and get 10% off your first coaching package. Become a patron at Patreon if you want, or do me the solid and leave a rating and review over on Apple, Spotify, Google, or Amazon. We're proud members of the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. Rob Johnston is the awesome, adroit producer of The Nurse Keith Show. And Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster and newsletter wrangler. Before we say goodbye, I'll leave you with this quote by the musician Robert Fripp. May my living honor my parents. May my living repay the debt of my existence. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, and the inimitable, amazing Janelle Borowski saying arrivederci from New Hampshire. Beautiful New Hampshire. All right. Thanks, Janelle. Thanks to everyone for listening. And we will catch you, of course, on the proverbial flip side.